Das Leben kann hektisch sein. Warum nicht dem Alltag entfliehen und in die magische Welt von Evermerge eintauchen? Evermerge ist ein magisches Land, das mit jeder Entdeckung größer und besser wird. Werde ein Merge Master. Baue und sammle einzigartige Gegenstände oder verschönere deine eigene wundersame Welt. Im Land von Evermerge gibt es immer etwas zu tun. Evermerge. Jetzt kostenlos im App Store herunterladen. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast. This is the 50 years series that we've been having so much fun doing since lockdown. And uh, we are now in part two of the 1997 to 1998 season. A very, very memorable season if you are a Chelsea supporter, of course. And even more so if you were lucky enough to be there watching it all unfold. And in part one, we went from the start of the season uh, to the end of the year to December, where Chelsea are currently in third place in the Premier League table behind Man United and Blackburn Rovers and still in the Coca-Cola Cup, the League Cup and the European Cup Winners' Cup. Uh, and uh, we resume, of course, in January. But before that, I should say hello and welcome to Mr Jonathan Kidd. Lovely to be on the show. Great season to be talking about. It, um, it's etched more on my memory than... Um, most of the seasons we've been talking about, as I've said before, I have to be prompted by Mark. In this instance, I've come up with lots of memories of my own, I'm very pleased to say. You have the, all your own memories. Um, well, they're all my own memories, but Mark reminds me that yeah, they're my own. True enough. <laughs> as indeed, JK is right, we have the wonderful Mark Meehan, who, uh, uh, without, I mean, you know, without Mark, these shows would be dry, I think. You know, Mark, Mark adds in the colour to these shows with these wonderful anecdotes, doesn't he, JK? Dry as a stick, Chidge. I think it would drier, in fact. <laughs> but there dry, you go. Dry as a dry stick. Dry as a stick that's dry with deodorant on it. Uh, what kind? Smelly. Well, obviously the one that keeps you extra dry. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. That'd be sure, that wouldn't it? Would it? Okay. Chelsea, Chelsea, a Chelsea uh, product brand thingy. Anyway, enough of that nonsense. Mark, great to see you as always. Enjoyed part one. Looking forward to the, the new M1 of this season. Yes, indeed. Like very much a lot. A lot happened in part one, but a lot more happens in part two. In it the certainly half, does. Ninety-seven, eight season. It certainly does. And last but by no means least, the lovely Dane Whittle. Evening, everyone, or morning or afternoon, depending on when you're listening to this. Yeah, really oh, enjoying fine. it so far. Good, good, good. Well, let's crack on and. Uh, you know, having teased you with a bit of optimism for this season, I'm now going to bring you all right down with yet another ridiculously memorable match from this season that lives long in the memory. Uh, and, and I've got to say, this is one of the most insane matches I've ever seen involving Chelsea. And let's face it, there have been a few. But uh, the first match in January, as it traditionally often is, is, of course, the FA Cup third round, a very special day in any supporters calendar and of course no more so than for us because we go into the competition as holders having done very jolly well in it for the last few years so I think I would I would be safe to presume that expectations were super high for another uh, good FA Cup run this season even though even though we have been drawn against our old FA Cup nemesis 
that is Manchester United, who, of course, are, you know, all guns blazing for another another Premier League title. What none of us, absolutely none of us expected was to be 5-0 down after 74 minutes. In fact, we were 3-0 down after the first half, thanks to two David Beckham goals. Uh, one of them a free kick, as I recall. Two and and two well and an Andy Cole goal and Andy Cole scored again in sixty five minutes, and then bloody Teddy Sheringham scored. Um, I think the first question. I mean, hands up all those who were there. Yep, full house. So hands up all of you who stayed to the bitter end. Okay, that's I, I'm I'm I thought it might be more than one out of uh, of the three that thought fuck this I'm going home. So I'm going to go to Dane. I'm gonna. I'm not. I don't mean to name and shame, but so when did you leave, Dane? Embarrassingly, I've only left twice in my Chelsea lifetime. Uh, one was fairly recently, when again when we played Manchester United, and the uh, Giroud goal was disallowed for, through VAR late on, and after should have been sendings off and everything else. I've said I've had enough of this, and I walked out. The first time was, uh, again, unfortunately, this game, I left uh, at 5-0. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I sort of regretted it because uh, I've, I've, I'm always against that. But everyone's got their own personal reasons. And again, I was a bit bit of a, a, bit, a bit of a cheeky lad in those days. I wouldn't give a crap. And I was like, I ain't putting up with this frickin' this. I'm going to the pub. Well, I'm sure you were not alone. And I can understand why at 5-0 down against United, who you can't stand in the FA Cup that you've got huge hopes for. So, JK, what made you stay? Apart from being a loyal supporter, obviously. Well, yeah, a loyal supporter. Um, um, I don't know. I just, you know, you get mesmerised, don't you? You Somehow you just think, why has this gone wrong? Are there going to be, is there going to be another goal? Are they going to score six? Are they going to Sorry, score can I, I just interrupt, JK? I don't mean to be rude. Yeah. I usually slump in my chair and stick it yeah. out. My arms crossed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I think I, I slump in my chair and read my programme. <laughs> Well, I do exactly the same as you. Yeah. yeah, I slump and read and go, and also get about I'm aged about eight. I sort of go <laughs> and, and yeah. really just get resentful. Then the Soxie came in and chipped a really excellent goal that I another goal that I remember to this day that I'll, I'll remember. Not from only from that season, just you know, great Chelsea goals. A chip Schmeichel beautifully. Then Viali got another couple. And there was that terrible moment, oh, you know, think, oh, can they score five? Can we score five? You know, the child in me saying once again, you know, well, but of course, it wasn't to be the case. You're, you're not alone, because, I mean, I, I remember watching that. Uh, and, of course, I have complete faith in Viali. So seeing Viali score two against United, I mean, I didn't care it was the 88th minute. I was thinking, oh, how much extra time will we, will we get? How much yeah. time have we got? Yeah. He can score another two. We, we yeah. can draw this five. It's a bit like yeah. the the Black Knight in the Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll bite, I'll bite your legs off. You know, sitting there with no arms and no legs. It, it was that kind of feeling, and it was there was a kind of a. I mean, this is what I mean, Mark, when I say this is one of the most insane matches I've ever seen, because we ha- we were absolutely humped, stupid. I mean, five oh. nil. We, we, they were, and they were good value for that five yeah. nil, yeah. and 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 yet you know. We come back to five three, and there was a sense that, well, you know, why not? We could do this. It was that kind of an insane game, wasn't it? Absolutely blitzed out of sight. You know, Beckham got the first two goals, and and we talked about giving him stick early on in the charity shield. Um, yeah, he, he shut everybody up, and then he does that celebration where he runs over to Chelsea fans and puts his hand, hands oh, over his ears. Yeah. You know? 
um, you still see photos now. Um, I think this is signs where Hullet was starting to make some basic errors. He did a strange formation for this one. Um, obviously, he didn't pick Viali. He played Mark Nichols up front, um, but he started Mark Hughes in midfield, which just was completely illogical. And obviously, by the time he started making changes, the game's gone. We're 5-0 down. And I know that optimist in many of us thought, oh, yeah, we might get a couple more because Viali's got two in five minutes. Is United had eased up by then. Yeah, the, the job was done. They, they were through to the next round. It was just so frustrating. We were the FA Cup holders and United blitzed us out of sight. Yeah. They were consolation goals at the end. Very true, Mark. Um, very uh, uh, measured uh, response. And you're absolutely right. But it's interesting, isn't it? That you just can't take the kid out of kid or me in this example. You know, I, I, I was quite excited. I thought they could do it, you know, but uh, I was clearly deluded. Um Basically, very, very disappointing, as Mark was saying, to go out the first hurdle against Man United, of all people. Uh, but we did kind of reprieve ourselves a little bit by uh, in, the, in the next game, uh, which was, I think, three or four days later, uh, when we played Ipswich Town away in the Coca-Cola Cup. And uh, like Blackburn Rovers uh, before, and I think even Southampton went to extra time, didn't it? This was no different. Um, we should have been absolutely home and hosed in this match. Uh, Flo put us ahead on 32 minutes. Interestingly, um, in scoring the goal, there was a defender who uh, tried to tackle him, a last-ditch tackle, who, who Flo bundled out the way. It was none other than a certain friend of the show, Jason Cundy, who was by now playing for Ipswich. Uh, and just to add insult to injury for poor old Jace, he got booked too. But uh, Lasso put us 2-0 uh, up on 45 minutes. And then Tarico, I can't remember actually who, who scored first. I think I think Lasso scored first, and then Tarico, didn't he? And uh, and then yeah. and then Matthew scored on sixty-two minutes, much to our annoyance. It goes to extra time. It still stays two all. So guess what? Another penalty shootout. What was it this season with penalty shootouts? But Ed DeHoy uh, covers himself in glory by uh, saving uh, Scowcroft's penalty. And uh, the odious Maurizio Tarico, who would come back in a in another life a few years later to absolutely do uh, he, was it was it um, Zenden he he absolutely injured and then got Graham Lasso sent off when we when we lost to to Spurs horribly in the League Cup semi final many years later. He got Lasso sent off. Got Lasso sent off. I don't off, know who he fouled. I think he, it was he did Zenden. Take out it was Zenden. It's it, uh, it, it, you always remember things like that if you've got an affiliation or a, a love for the player, and maybe it's because we didn't really have a great, you know, connection with Zenden. I can't remember him, but you might. That's why you might be. Uh, I think you're right. Yeah, pretty sure I am on that one. But um, odious he is, but thankfully he missed the penalty, so we go through to the next round. Um, January was a kind of a a weird month again, like so many because. We then played Coventry at home, and it's a fairly routine 3-1. I mean, they, we lost to them earlier in the season, of course, but this was straightforward, even though Telfer opened up the scoring for them on 30. Mark Nichols scores two goals, Mark. Yeah, he does. Yeah, two good goals at that as well. Yeah, but, yeah very decent header and then a volley. Yeah. yeah. He, looks, he looks good. But the Everton game I was going to mention, and perhaps this is perhaps where there might be some unrest as well, Another strange choice by Hullet with it, with his rota rotation policy. He actually drops, not rests, 
he drops Zola and Wise for this game against Everton. A really sort of strange decision. What, Wise being the captain, of course. Wise being the captain. Really strange decision that. Yeah, bearing in mind what we know happens in the, the next couple of weeks. Well, it's a good point, actually, and I wonder if it is a sign of... Uh, I mean, I know this is easy to say with hindsight, but, but it, 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 it sounds like the kind of decision a man who is increasingly isolating himself from the team would make. You know, if you drop the captain, you're trying to make a statement that you're the boss and you're in control and you're doing it your way. And, of course, quite often what happens in doing so, you lose the team. And I think it's very interesting... You know, given what Mark said, you know, we know what happens in the next few weeks. But, uh, you know, the comments that the players made uh, in the season review video about, I mean, Graham Lasseau, I think, was mentioning it. And, 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 you know, Viali mentions it when he becomes manager, saying he wanted to just improve the team morale and the team spirit, which tells you that something was rotten in the state of Denmark under Hullet's charge. He had the same problem at Newcastle, didn't he? Which is he attempted to get, who did he try to march Shearer. Shearer. Yeah. Yeah. Wrong call up there, mate, but there you go. Um, but anyway, Mark makes an excellent point there, I think. Anyway, yeah, we, we did beat Coven, uh, Everton, by the way, in spite of that. Um, no, we, no, they beat us. No, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm reading the Coventry result. Yeah, yeah we, got, we got humped, which makes it even more unforgivable. Uh, Flo scored for us, speed for them, Ferguson for them, Dubry scored an own goal. Yeah, and, and we, were, we, we looked like a team that didn't know what we were doing at all, which seems to validate absolutely what Mark was saying about the changes. You mentioned Dubery. He didn't really seem to have a um, a plan. He seemed to go flicked in and out of the side, and I never felt he was the same player who played the year before, who looked so so promising. Indeed, I know he did. Get, he did have that horrible broken leg, didn't he? Which I don't think really did him any favours in his career. Um, okay, next match we've got to pick ourselves up for because it's the first leg of the Coca Cola Cup semi final, which is played at Highbury, who we where we never win. We never beat Arsenal. This we know. And uh, I'm afraid it was it was no different per se. Uh, Mark Overmars scores on 23 minutes, and then Stephen Hughes scores on 47 minutes. But thankfully, uh, good old Mark Hughes. Uh, remember, this is a two-legged affair. Uh, he he scores on 68 minutes, which keeps us in the game, and this is all important, as you will find out later. Also, uh, Mark Laurent Chauvet makes his debut in that game. He does indeed. He only plays about seven times for us, but I thought he was a good player. Yeah, I thought I thought he was like a, you know, like a, a very similar to Petrescu. I don't don't mean to demean him by saying a poor man's Petrescu, but similar player can play a number of positions and very comfortable on the ball. He would have been a good squad rotation player for yeah. us. Can I make a point about this game in particular? Yes, Bullet you can. Chose, Bullet picked himself and he played centre half, and he was absolutely useless. And uh, he was. It was the worst I'd seen him play. And he was clearly not fit. And I think, as we will discover, this contributed to uh, more of the uh, the reasons for his ultimate demise. But the very fact that he felt he could just put himself into a side where clearly he it was the wrong position for him to be playing and he didn't look as if he'd been training very much. Um, it wasn't a surprise to me that they were all over us for a period. We were very lucky that they only scored the two goals. But... Um, at the time, I remember watching. I remember being there and thinking, um, "Hughes, great goal!" I mean, uh, I know as always, well, what a, what a wonderful Zola chip, and uh, he's in there and, and kept us in it. And I, it's always this thing of, um, 
knowing that if we're in a two-legged thing and you score uh, an away goal, uh, the chances are that that's going to be really handy for you if you play well in the next leg. And indeed, I, I left there really optimistic. I had a lot of large numbers of people saying, oh, God, we lost to the arse again. Oh, God, they're going to do us at the bridge. I said, no, we got the goal. If we put in, a, you know, the way we're playing this season, we either play marvellously or we play not very well. If we play, you know, as well as we can do, we'll beat them. And I was proven to be right, ultimately. You were indeed. And I mean, interestingly enough, it was it was Rude's final appearance for Chelsea. But um, one wonders, given what you've said, and I think you're absolutely spot on with that. And as we'll find out in, in, a, in, a, in a couple of weeks' time, that a lot of the contract dispute was about whether he was going to be the manager or the player manager, because I think he was trying to still get paid to do both, to pay, play yes. and manage. So maybe he put himself on even though he knew he wasn't fit to prove yeah, some sort of a point debate. and in fact can I, I'll, I'll get ahead of this in fact I I think like I told you I shared a coach up to Coventry as um, you could buy seats in the director's box um, ultimately if you were um, if you were in the uh, if you're in Aussies where I was where I still sit um, you could buy a director's box for tickets for 60 quid and Bates actually told me that that was the problem he said with he just after he got slightly drunk and we were on the way back in Chelsea at one, he said that because I said, why did you get, why did Hullet leave? And he said, because he wanted two contracts. He wanted a manager contract and a playing contract. And he said he wasn't good enough anymore as a player. He was spending the words he said to me. He was also spending more time with his, um, his fashion items. Because if you remember, he had a whole series of, of um, uh, T-shirts and, uh, and a collection, the Rude Hullet collection, which was in the club shop. And, and he was removed from the club shop the day he was sacked. Indeed, indeed. Because he, <laughs> he was modelling them. And Bates actually said to me he was spending more time modelling his his own gear than he was managing the club. But it was, it was also down to the um to the this desire for a playing contract, a million pound playing contract. And uh, and a managerial contract, and those out out these are Bates' words to me, and I thought, oh, it's really interesting. I've been told that. I don't know why. Well, I did ask him. I said, well, why did you let it go? And he was happy to tell me. So, I, uh, I I knew someone quite close then, and he was all, he was already planning for next season. I knew someone quite close to, to him, and who was on the coaching staff. I knew Viali. He wanted Viali out, Hughes out, and he he was really interested and wanted the club to go for Duncan Ferguson. I don't know if it was after. Was this Bates or, or, or uh, uh, Rude wanted He wanted the uh, Beauty and the Beast mould where he had that beast up front and like the beauty around him. And he was really impressed with Duncan Ferguson. And he it, that's what he had as his, his ideal uh, front man with like, beauty behind. Mm. Wow. How interesting. Surely Hughes was, was the beast. Surely we didn't need another one. I, I just, uh, yeah, I don't know if it was an Rather aged, aged beast. Yeah. Aged beast, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, so we we did come away really, I suppose, still in the in the tie, and that's as as, as we all know from two legged affairs. That's all important. Um, we then uh, have uh, Barnsley at home in the next match, which is a fairly routine two 0 win. Guess who score again? Viali and Hughes, uh, regular scorers for us this season. We then have we're now into February. We then have Arsenal away again, so another trip to to Highbury in the league, uh, and you know this is. You know, there's st- there's still stuff riding on this. I mean, we're actually in second position by the by this stage of the season. Um, United are top. Arsenal are one, two, three, four. They're fifth, but only a point behind us. So things are tightening up. So there's a lot riding on this game. Even though, as you all know, dear children, 
We don't beat Arsenal in the 90s. We never beat Arsenal in the 90s. So you need to bear that in mind. And guess what? We, we lose 2-0. Uh, again, Stephen Hughes, uh, he scores a couple of goals. Um, hugely disappointing, although I'm, I'm afraid not, not to be unexpected. But of course, the, the real issue here, Mark, was that after that performance and that game, um, Hullet does get, get sacked. But I mean... The context of this, of course, is, I mean, as you write in your notes, I mean, Arsenal away, we've only won twice in nine games. So, and also, I think the other thing that's good, interesting about this, they that was an understrength Arsenal side. No Seaman, no Vieira, no Keown and Dixon, and Wright went off injured, didn't he? So it was a bit of a, a an even bigger disappointment, considering we, we probably had a chance then. Yeah, absolutely. Really, really frustrating. You know, if we'd, if we'd won, we could have gone within two points of Manchester United, closed the gap, you know, Another missed opportunity, you know. But the events, we may as well talk about Hullet now, um, but the event, the events preceded the Arsenal game as well because on the Thursday, and I've actually got a diary set out of all the chain of events quite helpfully, um, on the Thursday before the Arsenal game, you know, Colin Hutchinson meets with Rude Hullet to discuss, obviously, the contract. Hullet wants a, a two-year deal, uh, but they're miles apart, and J.K. made reference to it. You know, Hullet obviously wants a playing contract, and all Colin Hutchinson is prepared to offer is a managerial contract. Uh, and there's the infamous point where Colin Hutchinson asked Rude Hullet what was he looking for, you know, uh, and obviously Hullet sort of says he wants £2 million a year. And the famous Colin Hutchinson reply was, is that gross or is that net? Yeah, and Hullet replies, "Netto." <laughs> um, so obviously, Colin Hutchinson digs out his calculator and worked out that actually what Hullet was in fact asking for was the equivalent of three point five million pound a year. Yeah, now that might be potentially a playing contract, but he was nowhere near a managerial contract. And Hutchinson informs Hullet that the, they were prepared to offer him a managerial contract and at a million pound a year. Netto that, or gross. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that million pound would make him the best play, paid manager in the Premier League. So he'd be earning more money than Alex Ferguson. Yeah, but obviously they agreed to disagree. We then lose at Arsenal on the Sunday. So then on the Monday, Colin Hutchinson and Ken Bates meet with Gianluca Vialli. Yeah, and they discuss the idea of Vialli becoming player manager. And Vialli says if the job is offered to him, he will accept it. Yeah. On the Tuesday, and the other player, yeah, Dane's absolutely right about Duncan Ferguson. The other player that Hullet was negotiating with was Brian Loudrup. Um, so Hullet um, is out on the golf course um, on the Tuesday, and he's trying to get hold of Loudrup to try and get that one over the line because Loudrup becomes a free agent in July, and you can now start talking to him. Loudrup will not pick up his phone. Yeah. Well, the reason why Loudrup does not pick up his phone, he's at Stamford Bridge. And he's meeting Gianluca Vialli, <laughs> new manager of Chelsea. Yeah. Bearing in mind, Rude Hullet is still the manager of Chelsea Football Club. So that's the Tuesday. You know. On the Wednesday, you know, Vialli is formally offered the job. You know, it was a five-minute chat before. He's now formally offered the job, and he accepts it within five minutes. On the Thursday at 10 o'clock, Rude Hullet takes the players for training, as normal. He still thinks he's manager of Chelsea Football Club. He's meeting Colin Hutchinson at lunchtime after training finishes, obviously to continue what he thinks, you know, is the negotiations. Uh, and Hutchinson tells Hullet, you know, 
that he's had talks with the board and they will not accept Hullet's demands for what he wants for Neto. Uh, and Chelsea have decided that they want a new coach. Hullet storms out of the meeting, uh, tries to get hold of Ken Bates, but before he goes, Colin Hutchinson re-offers the, the £1 million managerial contract as a last throw of the dice, but Hullet has stormed out of the meeting. At 4pm, you have that famous press conference where Viali and he's got Gary Straker, Colin Hutchinson and Ken Bates beside him. He's announced as Chelsea manager, so in effect, Chelsea have sacked Ruud Hullet. At 6 o'clock, Bates finally picks up his phone and he arranges to meet Hullet at the Conrad Hotel, you know, uh, and Hullet pushes Bates to try and find out why he's been sacked, you know. Uh, but Bates, he basically hands him a letter and says his services are no longer required. And then there's that famous statement where Hullet says, I hope we can stay friends because this world is a very small one and give my regards to Susanna. So then on the Thursday morning, Hullet then has his press conference in Terry Venables Club in High Street, Kensington, and basically saying he wants to know the real reason why they let me go. The money is the stick they used to beat me with. It wasn't about the money. Bates responds, says, we had a simple decision to make. Did we want to play a coach on 3.7 million or in a post-Bosman world, acquire two or three or four world-class players? Now, the money Chelsea would have used to buy Ruud Hullet, they acquired Marcel Desailly, Albert Ferrer, Kazaragi, and Brian Laudrup, which is pretty much a done deal with Hullet. But obviously, strangely, as soon as Viali gets announced as manager, the following week, after, and we're coming to the Arsenal game in a minute, Laudrup gets announced that he's joining Chelsea at the end of the season. Busy old week that week for Chelsea Football Club. It was indeed. And I, and I love, I love uh, Bates' statement saying, no coups, no conspiracy, no player revolts, no clash of egos, just an ir- irreconcilable difference of opinion on roles and values. Well... Not quite, Kenneth. Not quite. But, uh, you know, to create a big lie, you have to have an element of truth in it, I suppose. But there were other things afoot, weren't there? And I mean, JK alluded to it earlier on, quite rightly. And I, 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 I remember, I mean, I know this is kind of for the end, so it's kind of repeating ourselves, really. But the, 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 the team selection and the tactics and the oh. formations oh. were perplexing in some respects, a lot of the time before he got, got fired. Um, and we know that there was a monstrous issue between him and him and Luca. And, and there was a sense to me already by the, the, the you know, the dropping of wise, the, 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 the game before that, you know, I wondered if he was, was isolating himself from the team. And JK talks about the focusing on his, on his uh, fashion line, all this kind of thing. So it was about the money, but it wasn't just about the money, would be my summation of that. But it is interesting. A couple of interesting things, you know. Great. I mean, either players are very good at lying by this by this stage of uh, of proceedings, you know, because they're all a bit more media trained. Because a lot of them are all saying in the season review, the team spirit's really good. They're all playing for each other and all the rest of it. Luca's obviously playing with a very straight bat in terms of his relationship with Hullet. But one of the things that I found was hilarious that I think back in about October they interviewed Luca for the season review video and he jokingly says um you know that he's got a a year and a half on his contract so actually it would have been about december a year and a half on his contract left and he doesn't want to go anywhere and he loves chelsea he said well you know if 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 Hullet ever leaves for any reason then i'd love to love to become the next chelsea manager 
and he's grinning from ear to ear. And then I don't know who did the interview, but obviously they must have had a weird look on their face. He said, I'm only joking. But was he? (laughs) Was he joking? Did he know something? It's intriguing, isn't it? I've never, never seen know. that interview before and I thought it was great, actually, that he said that. Yeah, I, I, I really didn't think that was funny. I mean, I think I think the first question to ask you all is, I mean, I, I was shocked because I didn't know then what we now subsequently know about this. And I was I was mortified and shocked and gutted. I thought, what? How can you do this? This this guy's just won us an FA Cup. We're in Europe. We're playing great football. We're still in the Cups. We're second in the league. I thought, how can you do this, J.K.? Well, funnily enough, I, I didn't... At the feel- time, at the time. Yeah, at the time, I wasn't feeling this way because I'd watched him play abysmally at centre-half, not understanding why he was playing there. And uh, and I hadn't been enjoying his team selection or his tactics. So um, uh, I I thought, you know, onwards and upwards. Let's see what Viali can do. Really? Yeah. You're so fickle. Dane? Yeah, I was it's not fickle. It's just an, an analysis. <laughs> fickle. Where's the emotion up... in the game, mate? And the passion, Dane. I was I was more upset because this was a new Chelsea that I was I was obviously not used to, and and you know we we we, we were moving forward. You know we'd obviously won the FA Cup the previous season, and and, and we was we was going in the dizzy heights of of the top four. I believe that Hullet was a, a, a stubborn and arrogant man, but I don't use that in a negative way. You know, stubbornness and arrogance, you know, the top, top world-class players have. And I just believe that he was doing things his way and he believed he was better than everyone and he knew more than everyone and he knew more than Ken Bates and, and, and Colin Hutch and whoever else. And maybe it was that stubborn and arrogance that got him the, uh, the sack in the end. But yeah, I, I was upset because I've stated before he was my favorite ever uh, ever sign in and i Mine believe too. i thought and it was I just, wonderful i just hoped you know i just hoped well like jk some some of the decisions were you know were questionable but but for me he was for for my era at that time remember i started going in 1983 he was the greatest player to ever play for us so i wasn't going to argue or, or question him it's not like now where i formed more of an opinion and i've been watching and going for 33 years and i think i know more than, than than managers and coaches and i'm like well what about this what about that i i sort of believed in him and thought he would turn it round yeah i i agree with you Dane, and i think actually to be fair to jk having been rather rude to him a minute ago actually <laughs> J, actually jk was was showing what you and i didn't have because i was a lot younger then as well i mean you know what was it 25 years ago i'd have been in my 30s just about uh jk was showing his wisdom and maturity as a as a more mature man who's seen it all before he's seen it all before he knows that managers and players come and go you've got to focus on what you see in front of you am i right jk Godfather impression. Absolutely. Thank you so much. <laughs> First time he's grinned from ear to ear all night just because I've been nice to him. Anyway. Oh, oh I know. I said sphincter, I grinned from ear oh, to ear. That's very true. <laughs> but that was a good gag. Uh, Mark, um, what about you? How did you feel about it? Because you were yeah. a bit more in the know than all of us, to be honest, yeah. in those days. I mean, JK, perhaps, notwithstanding the fact no, that... Subsequently, that was only subsequently. Oh, right, right, right. Well, because Mark would have been in the know because he was very close to what was going on as he was on the fanzine but, and stuff. But nonetheless, absolutely devastated when he went. Mm. Um, you, know, I, um, you know, never thought I'd ever see Chelsea win the trophy and that man delivered the FA Cup at that point in the season. Yeah, there were things going wrong. Yeah, there was murmurings and stuff like that, you know, offline. But we were third in the league. We were the three-to-one favourites to win the Cup Winners' Cup. Yeah, And... 
we had a home leg to come against Arsenal. And we knew if we got through, we'd probably end up playing Middlesbrough in the final. So you just sort of think it seemed a really strange decision. I think the only consolation was they could only give the job to Viali. If they'd given it to anyone else with Viali, I think at that point, they'd have been resolved by many Chelsea fans. Viali, and this sounds hard, was the perfect sop at the time to the fans. Because it had to go to Viali, you know, if they, you know, it would have been unforgivable to give it anyone but Viali because Viali, you know, already had godlike status amongst Chelsea fans. So it was an inspired choice in the end. But Viali, you know, to be fair, like Hullet was a managerial novice. But we're going to talk about it now, you know. Yeah, we, we before we do, before we before we do, Mark, I just want to because I mean, you would have been very close to you know, what the groundswell of supporters would have been feeling and thinking at the time, because as as, as you are when you when you edit a fanzine and, and all of that. And, you know, so what was the strength of feeling? It's, it sounds like it was obviously gutted that the Hullet had gone. And, and I mean, you, you mentioned if, if they hadn't have hired Viali, there might have been a revolt. Yeah, I, I, I'd stood down, but I kept in touch with the people still doing it in the independent and a real shock value that day. You know, and I speak to them, you know, the amount of press interviews they had to do that day because people just couldn't believe it. It wasn't back page news. It was front page news. Yeah. It was like the main item on the BBC news. It was that big. But, you know, there clearly was something going on because, you know, the last game is the Arsenal game. And I, I, I covered the game and I was in the press box that day and I was sitting beside Mark Lawrenson and Henry Winter and Brian Walno, uh, Rob Shepherd, wow. Harry Harris. And, and, I, and I wasn't part of the, the press press corps, you know, shall we say. But there was something going on. They were having conversations, like very, you know, you know, you don't you didn't know what it was, but you know, there was something going on behind the scenes. So it's probably no surprise to the press boy that Hullet went, but it was a surprise to me as a Chelsea fan. Mm. Well, as you rightly said, Mark, Viali's first match in charge was of course the second leg of the Coca-Cola Cup uh, against Arsenal, this time at home. And I mean, one of the things, I mean, I've always loved Viali, as we all know, but I, I knew this at the time. I don't know how I found out. Maybe there was it was more public than we we're led to believe. But he famously, before kickoff in the dressing room, toasted his appointment with the players. Everybody had a glass of champagne. And I kind of thought, oh, how Viali and how utterly Chelsea. But this match, again, like so many this season, goes down as one of my favourite matches and a most memorable match. And it was an absolute humdinger. We're 2-1 down. Uh, Hughesy gets us off to a great start by you know, getting us level on aggregate with, uh, with a goal in 10 minutes. Um, Patrick Vieira is then sent off. I can't remember who he nobbled now. Who remembers who he, who he, who he tried to take out? No, it's gone. But anyway... I can't, I can't remember. Wenger, though, never saw it. Oh, what a surprise. <laughs> well, Vieira got sent off in 48 minutes, so they're down to 10 men. and uh, And then somebody else in the Arsenal team... You know, basically takes out Viali, who's who of course has picked himself. Petit, yeah. Uh, was it Petit who did that? Yeah. Yeah. But while while Viali's writhing around because he took him out and he took him on the ankle and he's in pain. While he's doing that, the ball broke three. Robbie De Matteo latches onto it from about thirty yards, puts in one of the best goals I've ever seen at Stamford mm. Bridge. I mean, it, I mean, think of the the cup final goal and then increase the quality by tenfold. It was that good. So we're now we're now ahead. On aggregate, um, and uh, and then Dan Pet Rescue wraps it up effectively on 53 minutes. Although my sphincter uh, tumbled, uh, trembled again, J.K. on 82 minutes when uh, Dennis Bergkamp got a penalty and scored. 
Yes, well, it would likely happen because um, knowing Chelsea, there might be a, a, another goal in the last minute, but we held on. There's a wonderful Petrescu goal, if I remember, doesn't he flick it left, mm. uh, then left yeah. again and blasts it into the yeah, corner. does indeed. Great. It was a great game, a really great game. And, and in a way, um, Dane, the perfect kind of antidote as to what had been going on. I mean, I, I need to stress this again because uh, my memories of this period in our history are, are bedeviled by defeats and bad results against Arsenal, who I couldn't... I mean, you know, we all, we all talk a lot, don't we, about who we hate most and it always kind of boils down to the common denominator of Spurs and Leeds. But I, I tell you what, United and Arsenal, I hated more than anybody at the time because the number of times we'd, we'd had horrible games and defeats against both of them. But Arsenal in particular, I, I reserved all of my ire and loathing for Arsenal. So to finally, what it felt like to finally beat them in a meaningful match was massive for me. Was it, was it for you? Yes, yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. You know, the amount of times I went to Highbury, uh, North London, nothing like White Lane because we'd always lose at freaking Highbury and oh, it used to so so soul destroying I'm so happy that that uh, obviously for this night but the following season I believe when when I go to Highbury and we win 5-0 that's obviously for the next show but it obviously put to bed some demons this night I remember quite clearly Stamford Bridge was really rocking it was one of my uh you know, if 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 I'm going to do a top ten of 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 my favourite Stamford Bridge games, this was definitely one of them. For I I I went into the game wondering, you know, what it would be like after after Hullet was sacked. But you know, it seemed like all everyone was on the on the same page, and you know, we got them, we got after them from from the first minute. And whether it was the champagne or or, or, or Viali pep talk, uh, I know Graham Ricks was really close to him at that time as well. Uh, for all his off 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 field uh, situations, uh, he he uh, apparently he was a very good uh, coach uh, that that Hullet and uh, Gianluca really liked. But yeah, it was a, it was a great great night. And like like you said, you know, we was talking earlier. Uh, J.K. was talking earlier when Leboeuf scored that goal against Leicester. I lost it in the sun. So this this one under the, under the floodlights at night time, it was a brilliant goal. I saw it leave his boot and go straight in top corner because we was in Mafia Adenapa. So we had a, a great view of it and it was yeah, it was a great, great night. It was indeed. Uh, and being Chelsea, of course, we follow that up uh, with a 2-0 defeat away to uh, Leicester, <laughs> courtesy of uh, Emil Heskey, and then a 1-0 defeat at home to, guess who? Man-fucking-United, with, of all people, Phil Neville oh, scoring Phil his first goal. Neville. Yeah, awful, awful, awful. But, you know, we have... Reached, I mean, Viali after one match in charge has reached a final of the League Cup, uh, and of course, you know, defeats to Leicester away and United at home are, of course, the perfect preparation for a European Cup Winners' Cup quarter final, which of course is against Real Betis in Spain on this occasion. And um, I, I, I remember this match so fondly. I, I, I'm sadly unlike Mark. I wasn't there. I don't know. Were you, were you there, Dane, Jonathan? Just no, uh, my only European game was uh, yeah Sweden. Okay, yeah, that's right. J.K., you were there, yeah. Well, I I had to watch this on, of course, the aforementioned Channel Five. But I I I mean, this for me epitomised Torandre Flo. I just loved him so much for this performance, and I thought it was going to be a really tough match, and I I really didn't expect to see what I saw. But basically, Flo scored on seven minutes and twelve minutes, two brilliant goals. Putting us 2-0 two, two, two up and in, inside quarter of an hour. Alfonso scored a great header on 46 mm. minutes to make it 2-1. Uh, 
but it was it was a brilliant performance and i was so pumped so excited watching this on the box but mark i know you were there so i'd like to hear your story and then then jk can chip in a uh, great trip there was something about going to spain hot weather you know winning out there um huge away following um interesting like we, we had about four thousand fans out there i think it must have been half term you know lots of sort of like you know you know families with kids there as well um like the official club trip you know they were put in the ground three hours before kickoff um but everyone who went independently and made their own way there could stay in the bars till a couple of minutes before and ju- just walk in despite all the sort of clubs saying if you don't travel with the club you won't get in um, Betis were selling tickets at the box office to any Chelsea fan that, that wanted them. But yeah, I had this in my, I think, my Chelsea top 20 games. Flo was magnificent that, that night. He had some great games with Chelsea, but this was probably his, his best ever. Yeah, the game was won in the first 12 minutes, yeah. uh, thanks to Flo. And I just love the name of the Betis goalkeeper. His name was Pratt's. <laughs> and uh, he probably felt one when sort of like Flo nutmegs him for, for the second goal. Yeah. Uh, I think the other thing I'd add is, as well as obviously Alfonso getting that goal, what was really crucial for the second leg, bearing in mind what happens you know, in, in the second leg when you know, better score the first goal before Frank equalises, in the last minute, there's a close-range save by Edgar Hoy that keeps Betis out. We still probably have got through, but you know, taking a 2 all isn't as good as taking a 2-1 back to Stamford Bridge. Absolutely brilliant night in Spain. Really memorable trip. And Charlie was there again. Charlie had his shirt off in the main square, you know, keeping everybody in, 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 entertained. Like, you know, we, we were in Plaza Nueva, I've, I've looked, and we were in Flaherty's Irish Bar, just off Plaza Nueva, and Charlie was there keeping us entertained. Yeah. Fantastic. JK? In- interesting to see the uh, the team that um, Bialy chose had Newton playing, who had been somewhat marginalised by, by uh, Rude. And um, and he kept his place for the rest of the season. Always surprised me, J.K. Because I remember him famously saying when we was linked to Vince, "I don't need Paul Lintz, I've got Eddie Newton." That was the, the season previously. Yeah, well, he made a decision this season, didn't he, Hullet, not mm. to play him very often. And uh, and he plays Steve Clark at fullback, and similarly, Steve carries on playing into the uh, the League Cup final and beyond. Um, and uh, and Sinclair as well. Um, uh, but then, um, just to, to show, perhaps I don't really know what I'm talking about. He then in the uh, the six two win we're about to get on to. He plays Morris Granville, um, Kareen and um, and Hughes, the other Hughes, oh. R Hughes, Paul Hughes. So if there was a an abundance of talent in the in this side at the time, I never felt got an opportunity to express itself, and I don't know how he. Uh, uh, I, I, I wonder how they ended up with so many with such an enormous squad. Because it wasn't even twenty-two; it wasn't even two positions for each player. There were there were some really decent players who didn't really play very much this season, and I don't understand why. So I think I mean I don't know for sure, but I, I do wonder whether at this stage, you know, Luca knows that he's in a in a final against Borough in a few weeks' time. He knows so he he's got. Really, just gives anybody a go. You mean? Well, he's in the second leg. You know, they've got the second leg against Betis to come. That's a quarter final, so he's he's sniffing another trophy there. And if you think about it, we, we're playing Villa. Um, we're playing Villa at home in the next match, uh, which of course we lose one nil with a team yeah. with a team that you wouldn't say perhaps was the best team we could field. We then thump, but I mean, I, I'm, I'm thinking because we we thump Palace six two. Palace get relegated this season, so maybe Luke is thinking, well, you know, I can play a 
you know, a bit of a weakened team here and save yeah, the best point. players. Good point. Very good point. Because Karin gets a go, as I said, and um, uh, and Granville. But Granville, what happened was um, was Soxie injured? Um, yeah. uh, who yeah, was injured? Was he? Was he? Was was Tell him that Biara were injured during the course mm. of that season. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I mean, nevertheless, you know, it. it, it one has to say it didn't work because we 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 lose to Villa and we lose to West Ham away. Uh, although we thumped Palace six two. But on the other hand, of course, with hindsight, we know that perhaps it was a, a sensible decision because we end up winning the League Cup and the European Cup Winners' Cup. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a hard one to call. Um, talking of the European Cup Winners' Cup, we have the return leg against Betis, which, uh, you know, we win 3-1 fairly simply. The, the question I want to ask uh, anybody, really, who wants to answer it, you might have to put your hand up, otherwise I'll get confused at this late hour. Fanidi bloody George, who did he end up playing for? I've stumped over, him. over here. Or yeah, over I, here. I, I, he played I, for somebody over here. Absolutely. I remember uh, Betis. Betis are like the great pretenders. Every every so many years, they'll spend a lot of money, and they will uh, come on. Uh, I remember them having. Obviously, you said Alfonso. I think he started at Real Madrid and got his big money move eventually to Barcelona. But I think they they. Oh no, it was Denilson. Sorry, it was Denilson who they eventually Betis bought for like I think a record fee at the time. But Betis have got history of like. Buying, buying certain players and really going for it. I think they did it even fairly recently, like two years ago. They, they bought a load of players and I don't even think they made Champions League. But I, I, I'll Google it quickly. Ipswich Town. Really? Yeah. How weird. Yeah. I saw the name and I thought, bloody hell, that's Finidi George. Of course, completely forgetting that he'd scored the opener against us in um, in that second leg, which of course was a bit dicey because it kind of made them level on aggregate, although we still had the benefit of two away goals. So we were still fairly comfortable, if the truth were to be told. But um, And we did. We finished them off 3-1. Um, Sinclair scoring the equaliser after 30, Dimiteo on 50 and Zola on 90. So we were through to the semi-final of the Cup Winners' Cup. But before that, what an amazing uh, you know, trio of matches, by the way. Betis in the quarter-final of the European Cup Winners' Cup, followed by Borough, in the in the cup, uh, Coca-Cola Cup final, followed by Vicenza away in the European Cup Winners' Cup final. It's quite remarkable thinking about it now. Um, but yeah, we're at another Wembley final in the League Cup. Uh, I couldn't get a ticket, of course, but I'm sure you you three all did, didn't you? Yes. So, Dane, um, would this be well, you were you were at the final in '97, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're 19, and you've been going for how many years? Uh, my first game was the one-one against Arsenal when Kerry scored. Uh, so, but my, I started really going. You know, but I was only obviously a little kid then. I started really going the season uh, late in the season when we got relegated, and then more obviously the following season when we come back up as champions was at eighty-eight, eighty-nine. That's when I really started going regularly. So I was a regular by now uh, for about a good five, yeah. six. Oh, sorry. No, sorry. Eight, nine. Yeah, ten years. So and Another Wembley appearance must have been delightful nevertheless. But, I mean, we, we were, I would have, well, I know we were. We were overriding favourites to win it. I mean, Borough were not all that. Although they had, I mean, they had an interesting side, didn't they, Mark? They had, uh, I mean, interesting enough, they had uh, Mark Schwarzer as their, their keeper. Um, they had uh, Gianluca Festa. Pearson. Yeah, uh, well, that that was the Townsend. hilarious thing from my point of view that we had that that uh, tosspot Andy Townsend who 
had left Chelsea to go to Villa because he wanted to win trophies. And since he left, we started winning them. Always, <laughs> always used to make me laugh that. But they had uh, they had Townsend. They had Paul Merson playing for them. And, of course, they had Paul Gascoigne playing for them. So oh. they were an interesting side. But I think we were overwhelming uh, favourites. But, uh, I mean, what was the match like, Mark? Do you remember? I mean, it went to extra time, didn't it? Which was a bit loathsome. Yeah, it was... Um... A bit similar to the FA Cup final, as well as the result, we won 2-0. Um, obviously, Middlesbrough were down in the Championship because they'd been re- relegated the previous season. I think we were we were the better side. We just couldn't break them down. They were quite res- resolute at the back. Um, uh, but again, you know, two good goals, lovely header by Frank Sinclair, and yeah, a flick on by Di Matteo to, to, to make the game safe. Yeah. Just, you know, terrible corner from Zola. Well, whether it was a good corner, it was just a very near post, near post corner that everybody left, didn't they? And it just yeah. got. Um, well, the Middlesbrough player he slipped. Ducked, yeah, he ducked, didn't he? Didn't he duck down? Oh, he slipped, did he? he slipped, I don't know what he, he was doing. He yeah. volleyed in. But there, for me, what really annoyed me about Sinclair's header was the unbelievably dreadful celebration that he did when he <laughs> did he, he drop his shorts again. Well, no, but he just sort of, he he dropped into a kind of slide and failed and just threw himself on the ground and rolled and looked injured. You don't like, like Frank Sinclair, do you? <laughs> I shall be sure to get him to do another interview with us and make you make make you keep, come on the show too. Perfect. You found me out though, Chidge. No, I don't. I, th- I, th- I, think, the <laughs> other, I think the other plus part is uh, many of us remembered Middlesbrough sort of relegating us. Yeah. So there was a bit of satisfaction. Mm. For oh, two well, huge. Yeah. Huge satisfaction. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. yeah. I may Always. have even at, at Wembley. And I think the other thing as well as mentioning Frank Sinclair, that was his last yeah. appearance in the Chelsea shirt. Yeah. So I, that's why John, Jonathan celebrated so wildly into the night because he obviously <laughs> knew that. But the other thing, of course, Mark, was that Luca got to lift the trophy. The players made him lift the trophy, which is, uh, a bit, uh, well, I think unheard of in those days, really, wasn't it? Yeah, nice touch by the players to do that. That probably showed how popular he was in the dressing room. And he, he was, was, he was too. He didn't, he didn't pick himself, wasn't it? Because he could have picked himself, obviously. But, um, yeah, he, he, could, he could have brought himself on a sub with one minute to go, like Hullet did yeah. the year before. Yeah. You know, maybe. But he wasn't even on the bench. No. I don't think. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. No, he's wearing his suit. He wore the suit with the flowers. He embraced yeah. his managerial role. He was indeed. Well, there you go. Uh, and of course, uh, it doesn't stop there because the next match, of course, is a mahusive match against Vich. Das Leben kann hektisch sein. Warum nicht dem Alltag entfliehen und in die magische Welt von Evermerge eintauchen? Evermerge ist ein magisches Land, das mit jeder Entdeckung größer und besser wird. Werde ein Merch-Master. Baue und sammle einzigartige Gegenstände oder verschönere deine eigene wundersame Welt. Im Land von Evermerge gibt es immer etwas zu tun. Evermerge. Jetzt kostenlos im App Store herunterladen. Enza in the European Cup Winners' Cup Semifinal First Leg. Um, we have to hand this over to Mark, who has got yet another hilarious story about this experience. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Football 
another another memorable trip. Uh, meant to go with Prime Events again for this, um, but this is Thursday night. So on the Tuesday, got a phone call to say the trip was off. Uh, Mike Ross was arranging tickets apparently via Ray Wilkins through his Italian playing days, and supposedly the tickets were seized at an Italian airport. So there was no point flying out there as there was no match tickets. Uh, whether a former chairman had anything to do with this, again, I couldn't possibly comment. But at that particular point in time, the club were doing two trips, a day trip and an overnight trip. And the overnight trip had hardly any takers. So all that happened was all the prime events people clearly wanted to go to the game, went and booked with the club trip. And the club trip was then sold out within a, a couple of hours. So we went to um, Verona for a couple of days, uh, which is the nearest town to Vicenza. Um, and the day of the games, we had a night in Verona the night before. We were having lunch. If you've ever been to Verona, they've got their own sort of poor man's coliseum, I'd describe it. It's a bit like a coliseum, but a much smaller version. And it's called the Arena. So we're having lunch. And if you know John Druitt, yeah, I've been going to Chelsea for years, having lunch with John. Um, and Ken and Susanna rock up. And they've been on a wine sampling trip for Chelsea Village. <laughs> at a local winery and suffice to say ken had had a drink or two um so he bought everybody a drink um and then an italian television crew turn up and ken leads the singing we did one man went to mo we did blue day jk wasn't on vocals on this occasion <laughs> blue is the color um and obviously, I'd, I'd just finished with the fanzine and Bates had barred me from the Chelsea magazine, but he was well oiled. <laughs> so John Druitt dared me to go like everybody else had done by then and have my photo taken with him. Because um, I'm, I'm sitting at the other end of the table. He's looking at me and thought, I know him from summer, but I can't place him because I'm really pissed. So I thought, oh, what the hell? Because John said, and everyone else said, if you go and have your photo taken with him, Mark, we'll buy you drinks for the rest of the day. So I thought, free beer, why not? So I got up to Ken and said, excuse me, Ken, would you mind um, posing for a photograph with me? And he goes, it's you. <laughs> he then proceeds to put me in a headlock um, and he's strangling me. And I think John Druitt must have photos of this somewhere. And he says, this is what I do to fanzine editors. Yeah, <laughs> I strangle them. Um, so when it all calmed down, yeah, Ken and I went away and we had a chat. And it's, it's quite strange. I've always said Ken is like enemies close. You know, friends close, enemies closer. Um, so we had a chat, very amicable chat. And he sort of says to me, um, you know, not being funny, Mark, why did you stop doing the fanzine? You know, and I sort of said to him, well, I've been doing it for three years. Ken, give someone else a go. And also I've become a dad for the first time, you know. And he said, quick as, you know, quick as possible. Is it yours? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I said, yes, it is mine, you cheeky, what, what's it? Uh, and then he also said to me, um, well, hang on a minute, um, you were writing for the Chelsea magazine. You know, what happened to that then? I said, Ken, you barred me. And he goes, oh, yes, of course. One of my better decisions, Mark. <laughs> but you've sneaked back in lately, haven't you? And I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. And he gives a wink of the eye. So, because I've said on previous shows, I did, after he barred me the previous year, I wrote under so many nom de plumes. But give me his due, smart cookie, he realised it was me. And But, you know, providing I wasn't writing under the name of Mark Mean, I don't think he was too bothered. Um, and then there was a small matter of getting to the stadium. Um, 
The Italian police took two hours to get the fans to the ground. There was roadblocks, stops, delays. If you go on YouTube, you'll find a video of like the Chelsea fans being taken to a car park for several hours. Basically, the fans just made kickoff. Uh, and I was, I was covering the game for the Chelsea magazine. And there was a huge police cordon there. And I'm trying to find my way through with a guy called Mark Sandham, who was taking photos. And you'll see Mark's name in the programme still to this day. And I couldn't remember the word for journalist in Italian. I could have used Mark Worrell back in those days. So I kept saying, giornali, giornali, giornali. And I, I don't think they had a clue, but I showed him my press pass and they finally let me in. But it was a, a really wet night. Three sides of the ground were open to the elements. Chelsea fans got soaked. So did the Italian fans, actually. But the noise they made that night for a 19,000 or so crowd is incredible. But all the songs they sang in Italian were to English songs. They, they did an Italian version of Yellow Submarine, <laughs> Italian version of Brown Girl in the Ring, an Italian version of Go West, which Arsenal sang at the time, you know. And the weirdest one of all, they did an Italian version, but it was as the theme to When a Child is Born by Johnny Mattis. <laughs> Wasn't that a tendency, though, in most of the, um, uh, the European away games, is that yeah. they, they had somehow used our tunes but put yeah. their own lyrics yeah. to them? Because uh, I, I always was, was bemused by that. I was always trying to spot the tune there. You'd go, oh, hang on, that's a night, that's Speedy Gonzalez. Oh, hang on, oh, that's, um, that's, uh, um, that, that's Que Sera. That's, you know, the, I was always um, aware of, of the, it was always bemused me completely to know that somehow they didn't have anything based on their own pop tunes um, when they were uh, for uh, um, uh, the, the away fans um, uh, in the home state, sorry, the, the home fans in their stadium, particularly though when they came to Stamford Bridge. I find it easier because they were a bit nearer. You could hear them that way. What but I, I, I went to that game as well. I absolutely loved it. I loved going to the... Uh, um, it was the first time I'd been to most of these of these games. Were feeling that the team was going to win. There was always that feeling that we were playing well, which we did. We played excellently. I remember going to that that game and sitting down and being asked to move by two Chelsea vice presidents, who said to me, uh, uh, "He said, actually, you're not in the right seat, mate." He said, um, "I was supposed to have that ticket, so could you sit there? I want to sit next to my friend. Can you go somewhere else?" And I said, "No," I said, and just left it at that. And they both mizzled off. So um, I don't know who they were. And somebody said, oh, that was a really important vice president that you just wouldn't let sit down. And I said, well, I don't know. I've got a ticket. No? So, you know, that's a sort of non-story. Sorry about that. Well, no, no, I, I think fair play. Um, I, I, was, I, was, I, I know what I was going to say. You know, going back to the songs, it always used to perplex me that a lot of German sides, Bayern Munich in particular, would have a song to the Karma Chameleon Culture Club tune. Yes, yes. What was true. all that about? Yeah, well, perhaps they've been big hits in Germany. That's all they were doing. The song had been a big hit. I would have been much more impressed if Bayern Munich had done a song to a, an Einstein's Neubauden song. That would have been impressive. Oh, yeah. very impressive! Yeah, it would almost. Slightly... It would be impressive if I could actually pronounce it properly. Really, it would also slightly weird. Change, yeah, but I am slightly weird. Um, does anybody? I mean, you know, the game we lost one nil, didn't we? Because uh, they scored quite an early goal, Zauli on sixteen. Minutes, but I suppose in the scheme of things, I mean, Jonathan's right. I thought we did play well, um, and one nil away from home, as we now know, having spent years in the Champions League, is is a pretty decent result to take back. You're still in the tie, you know, basically. So, you were all feeling pretty comfortable, Dane. Pretty happy with that. Yeah, yeah. No, I was. You know, as we already said, alluded to, we did actually play well. It's funny because I remember 
again, showing my youthfulness, really, uh, the, the game championship manager and football manager. So all these names I can remember from buying them from whoever, whatever team I was managing at the time. And Pascal Luizio was a was a, an Italian striker I'd always buy. And he, he obviously plays for Vicenza and he scored against us in the second leg. But going back to the game, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I a bit like... Uh, a bit like you uh, said earlier on, Chidge, you know, you had this feeling that we was going to w- win it early on. And yeah, I, I was, I felt really confident the whole way through. The only one was Betis. Before the Betis, the game, I felt a little bit, okay, these, these could be the ones. But apart from that, I did feel confident the whole way through. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. Uh, so, uh, I mean, it's an interesting part of the season, really, because it now becomes very, very clear that really, you know, understandably, Lucas putting his eggs in the European Cup Winners' Cup basket I mean, you know, having said that, I mean, we're not we're not exactly, you know, nose diving in the league. We're still in fourth. Um, and our next match, we managed to break our cycle and actually win our next match after a cup competition when we beat Derby 1-0 away with another Hughes goal. Interestingly enough, John Harley, who mm. I used to love, he made his debut in that game. And he provided the cross. He I was indeed. there. And it's he's still at the club problem. now, isn't he? I'm sure he's still at the club now in some capacity. Is he? Is he yeah, he's still trying I'm to break sure. into the first team. <laughs> But he um, he provided the cross for Hughes' header. Hughes' typical, typical, brilliant Hughes' header just gets up above the the poor Derby centre half, who he clatters into at the same time as looping it into the top left hand corner. What a player Mark Hughes was! Yeah, absolutely. I, I love love the balls off the guy. Um, next match, we've got Leeds away, dirty Leeds, and uh, we lose sadly three one. Um, David Hasselbank, Lee- Hasselbank scores. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, the interesting thing about that was that Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank scores two, two. Well, one of them was classically Hasselbank. He walloped it in from thirty yards, uh, and I think the other was a header, wasn't it? A diving header. But um, yeah, three-one. Yeah, so it was a bit disappointing to lose to them. But thankfully, the next match was Spurs at home, which of course always affords us an opportunity for three easy points, and that's exactly <laughs> how it uh, how it panned out with Flo scoring on seventy-five minutes, Viali on eighty-eight. And then we get to, I mean, I don't know how many times we've said it in, in, in this in this episode, but another match at Stamford Bridge, or, you know, it doesn't matter where it is really, which goes long in the memory as one of one of the most tremendous matches we, we've, we've all been witness to, which is the second leg of the European Cup Winners' Cup semi-final against Vincenza. And Mark, it couldn't have started worse for us, could it? I mean, we're 1-0 down from the first leg. And what happens on 32 minutes? We're two 0 down on aggregate, yeah, and in danger of going out of the tie, yeah. Uh, yeah, Luizio scores, uh, or Lu- Luizio scores on thirty-two minutes. Yeah, Pascal Luizio. Yeah. But it, but it all, it all changes around, doesn't it, J.K.? Yes, I just say it was one of the best atmospheres. It was like a red hot, almost hysteria going on there that was just non-stop noise from everybody. It was magnificent. I, I think, the, I think it goes down. Um, possibly one of the top five uh, atmospheres at Stamford Bridge of all time. I mean, all there's the, the, Bru- yeah. the Bruges game that we talked about a couple of weeks ago is one. This yeah. is this is way up there, and the, the only others I can remember really are in recent times. Some Napoli. of those, some of those Napoli, Napoli yeah, uh, and possibly that that mental Liverpool game when we won four three or four something. Two, the four yeah, two game, yeah, yeah. and and um, Barcelona. No, 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 the European Cup. Oh, yeah, the European yeah. Cup. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When when Lamp scored the penalty, yes, yeah, yes, that yeah. was phenomenal as yeah. well, absolutely. But but Vicenza, um, people say, is one of the best, if not the best. Mm. J.K. Yes, 
and it also has one of the great goals in it which is um when we get back to uh to, to uh to we're two all and um uh just dehoy just boots the ball up the pitch and hughes does a cushioned header um looking at the ball the ball has been delivered from the goalkeeper and he cushions the ball beautifully just over the defender looking the other way over his own head collects the ball on the bounce and rifles it into the bottom left hand corner on the volley on the volley it is one of he the was a sub as well when he jk he was one of the great Chelsea goals, absolutely phenomenal, and I think he's he said in the the, um, uh, the 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 revision of the season, one of his best ever goals for Chelsea, or even best ever goals, absolutely brilliant. The crowd went absolutely mm. crazy. It was superb, a superb moment in watching Chelsea for me. But the, but the, the 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 key thing here is that I mean as we were saying, Luizo put them up on one nil up on thirty two yeah. minutes, so two nil on aggregate. They've got an away goal. Poye scores very quickly after that on thirty five minutes. That was a good goal because the reaction that he mm. had to that, you know, because the the keeper saves it, pushed it straight out, yeah. and he just yeah. managed to get his foot round it and really whacked it in. Zola scores a great goal on fifty one minutes. So a wonderful Viali cross. That's one of the that was a great goal yeah. as well. Yeah. It Brilliant. was, wasn't it? Actually, yeah, great. What header. we haven't, what we haven't mentioned as well, was uh, Poyet missed a chunk of this big chunk of this season with a with a big injury. So this Vicenza game, he was coming in, just coming off off the back of that injury, and yes. uh, it wasn't properly fit. But we were just obviously so happy. I don't know if he played the previous game. Uh, obviously, not in Vicenza, the previous league game. But he was obviously only just working himself back. He was out for a good three, four months. I'm sure he was. Uh, Interesting. Yes, he was. You're absolutely right. But it rained the rain because we was in the uh, West Stand lower, and that rain that come down that night, we were soaked. But like you said, J.K., the atmosphere was bloody amazing. It was, wasn't it? It was absolutely. I, I mean, it, I think it's one of the one of the greatest nights at the Bridge, without a doubt. One of the best atmospheres, certainly without a doubt. And I mean, as as we were saying, you know, Zola scores on fifty one minutes. That makes it two all on aggregate. Um, but of course, they're going through because they've got the away goal. So, you know, we are not through. We're going out when Hughesy scores that goal. That's the phenomenal mm-hmm. thing about it. But actually, Mark, the reality is, is that not only did Ed DeHoy tee him up by booting the ball long and he does that brilliant header and then the volley, but DeHoy had kept us in the tie because he'd made a save just before that. And he also made another late save, didn't he, which kept us in the tie. He was brilliant that night. Oh, and, and also he was brilliant in the first leg as well. He made a lot of crucial saves out in Italy. Uh, the other thing I would add, as well as the Ed DeHoy save, is Hughes actually finishes the game, having got us into the final, unconscious. Yeah. You know, a loose elbow cat- catches him in the face. So we're, we're celebrating because we're in the final going to Stockholm, and Hughes is actually lying down on the pitch unconscious, <laughs> and he had to be helped back to the dressing room, and he actually f- was physically sick when he got back into the dressing room. Yeah. I always remember that. I always remember <laughs> that. Uh, I mean, weirdly, because I mean, I wasn't at the game, sadly, but I was watching it on good old Channel 5. And I, I I remember, I mean, I was just so ecstatic at that Hughes goal because of what it meant, but also because it was so brilliant. And I was really upset at the end of the game because I didn't know what happened to Mark Hughes. And I was really worried about him. And I just thought, well, hang on, everybody's going mental because we've won. But what's happening with Mark Hughes? Why isn't, why isn't anything happening with that? Because he was actually spark out, no pun intended as the final whistle went. So he wouldn't have even known that we'd won. But clearly clearly he was okay and lived to fight another day. But 
which comes um, up very quickly when he well, fights that other day. <laughs> indeed, it, indeed it does. But I mean, just to, 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 to re-emphasise again what JK's been saying all night and has been saying for the last few shows, what an absolute Trojan Mark Hughes was for us. And, and I, it, I have to say, it, it fucks me off a bit that he is not given the due respect and, and weight to what he did in his Chelsea career, what he did for the club while he was here. Because he was just brilliant for us, I think. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, but he, he, he had a, a, a combative spirit as well that um, uh, you just don't see among some players. And he, he was actually booed when he went away all the time, non-stop. That was something that I will always remember because of his, his, uh, his, his this combative nature, his ability to uh, um, um, just get in everybody's face. And some referees wouldn't tolerate it. He would have some situations where he'd he'd go for the ball, and the referee would instantly give a foul to the yeah. defense, to the opposition. That became a kind of trend, and it became. I, I just used to get so irritated by it because you'd see some centre halves just not bothering. They would they would some they would just cave in or hold their faces or do something. You think he actually hasn't had any contact with them at all. It was his reputation that was getting him uh, was getting them the free kick. But no, he he was. Um, he was such a rock. His ability to hold the ball and spray it off and um, get to headers, you thought nobody should get to that. And this trademark overhead kick that he had, sideways kick, that he just wanted to implement as much as possible. Um, um, what, a, what a great player, I can only say. What an absolutely brilliant player. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, as a result of his heroics, we, we are now going to be looking forward to a... A European Cup Winners' Cup final in Stuttgart against Stuttgart, sorry, in Stockholm at the end of the season. But before that, we've got one, two, three, four, five uh, Premier League matches to go, and we are still fourth on the table. So we've still got a chance of. Well, I mean, I think the chance of actually, you know, winning the title disappeared a long time ago because we're twelve points behind United. But you know, and and Ars- sorry, Arsenal are top with sixty nine points. United are second with sixty eight. Uh, but Liverpool uh, are only two points behind us. So, you know, we could push for third. There's no doubt about that. It starts fairly well in the next game. We win that 1-0 against Sheffield Wednesday with a LeBerth penalty on 23 minutes. And then we have Liverpool at home. So bearing in mind what I've just said, which is uh, effectively we, we're technically duking it out with them for third spot, we uh, need to take advantage of that, Mark. And did we ever... Uh, we did, and obviously, just saying it earlier about Mark Hughes, you know, two great goals. The goal he gets with his head is pretty special, but then the bicycle kick for the second is even better still. You know, he was just, you know, the almost, you know, his trademark goal was a bicycle kick, you know, and, you know, um, the other thing I would add about this game, as well as those two Mark Hughes goals, was Steve Clark scored. Yeah. Now, our, our, our good friend DJ, I know he used to, I don't know if he still was, he always used to bet on Steve Clark to score every single game. So Steve Clark, if he hadn't scored in six years, if he bet all that time, he must have cost him a fortune. Don't take any betting tips off Dave, ever. Yeah, and I don't know whether he only he bet only a pound each time with Steve Clark, but yeah, a really important win. You know, four four one win, really good performance, and getting revenge back for losing to them earlier in the season. It does indeed, and and of course it puts us in third above them. They're now in fourth. Uh, and we've now got Rovers, Newcastle and Bolt Wanderers. But of course, being Chelsea, I clearly off the ball. Cl- I clearly focused on the Cup Winners' Cup final. We lose 1-0 at home to Rovers with a Gallagher goal on 48 minutes. 
And then next we've got Newcastle away, and we get humped three-one. Frankly, uh, Dabby's ass. I, I used to. I think this is the guy that I've got a huge amount of love for because he's the one that kicked the, uh, the, the you know the 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 boards around the the, the perimeter of uh, the what, pitch. Kets Bayer. Oh, it was Kets Bayer. Kets Bayer. My mistake. My mistake. Yeah, I don't love Dabby's ass at all. It was always Kets Bayer. I mean, again, you know, Newcastle got a fairly decent team in those days, really. Uh, and the Shearer's obviously playing for them. Uh, Rude Huller hasn't started to manage them yet. Kenny Dalgleish is the manager. Um, and we lost 3-1. Dabby's ass, Lee and Speed and DiMatteo uh, for us on 77 minutes. Paul Hughes' final uh, appearance, Dane. Yeah, who does he go on to after that? Yeah, he's know. another. He, he he didn't get as much as much uh, love as 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 Mark Nichols, but he, you know, I remember him scoring. He, he was he was he was one of the Chelsea players to score in his debut. I think it was the season previously, but yeah, we didn't see a lot of him this season. Uh, midfielder, yeah, I think he scored last. He scored in his debut the season before. We won three one. I remember that because obviously. Remember being at the game, but my memory's not as great as Mark's. But I can remember slight things. I always, you always remember a homegrown who uh, scores in their debut. But yeah, well, we didn't see him a lot this season either, did we? We didn't he was a really. Decent player actually, and I, I, I was. Um, he, he didn't get in just because there were too many other players around him that um, that were deemed better. But I thought he was a very decent prospect. Hughes. Yeah, good, good left foot on him. He's now manager of Hayes and Yedding. Where uh, is he really? Again. Yeah. yeah. Cliff Auger's local team. He went, he went on to Norwich after he left us. That's a lot better than what Mark Nichols... Yeah, I think Mark Nichols went on to Reading after us, but then it went, obviously, yeah, yeah, slight yeah. down, yeah. So, that brings us to the last league match of the season. Uh, we are in fourth. We're two points behind Liverpool. The title's gone a long time ago. Arsenal are now 78 points. And uh, Well, actually, this is the final table I'm looking at, so I should really look at the one before, shouldn't I? Because that would be much more helpful. But uh, nevertheless, yeah, we're two points behind Liverpool in fourth. Uh, Arsenal have pretty much got it wrapped up by now. They've won the title. They're on 75 points. United are on 71. And we have Bolton Wanderers um, at home, and uh, they are basically one place above the relegation zone, and Everton are third from bottom. So we could... Uh, basically, either relegate Everton or relegate Bolton, Mark. Yeah, shame. We relegated Bolton. We did, yeah. didn't we? Everton were a bit naughty as well. They were suggesting before the game that because we're in the Cup Winners' Cup final, we'd play a, a much weakened side and therefore they would go down. So that they were questioning our integrity and, and Viali pushed back on that and basically said we take every game sort of seriously. Big turnout by Bolton fans. Uh, we're 1-0 up. Viali scores um, and puts us ahead. But then the news comes through that you know, Everton were 1-up. So it didn't really matter. You know, Everton was staying up and Bolton were down. But Coventry equalised. Dion Dublin, I think, scored for Coventry. So the whole ground, the Chelsea and the Bolton fans, start cheering for Bolton then, hoping you know, <laughs> if Bolton had got an equaliser and drawn one all, you know, they would have... Stayed up because they were a point ahead of Everton, and then Jody Morris, you know, because Bolton then throw everything at Chelsea, and even like the Hardy was cheering Bolton on, going, "Come on, Bolton, come on!" And Morris goes up the other end in a breakaway and scores the second goal. And there's a brief moment when he scores where some of the home fans are booing him because <laughs> right. he literally relegated Bolton yeah, with that I goal. I remember that. I remember yeah. that. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just that's so Chelsea in a way, completely nuts <laughs> that you would be doing that. But I think I think most Chelsea supporters would have much preferred Everton to go down for obvious reasons because uh, I don't think they've been relegated from the top flight, have they? They haven't, and they should have gone a few years earlier when Graham Stewart mm. saved them on the last day of the season when they beat Wimbledon, when Hans Sagers let a, let a few howlers in. I wonder why. Was there money at stake? Brown envelopes? Who knows? Anyway, there we go. So we rounded up the season with a 2-0 win and it meant that we finished in fourth position, which, of course, would have qualified us uh, not for the Champions League, I don't think, because I think we only had two or three in there in those days. Fourth... We were in the UEFA Cup and yeah. Villa take our place after what happens next. That's right. Well, there we go. And that's where we are with the... The cherry on the ice cream on the cream of the lovely mixture of the cake. Basically, the European Cup Winners' Cup final uh, in 1998 in Stockholm against Stuttgart. Uh, our second, Mark's holding up the programme in front of me. How absolutely marvellous is that? For those of you listening in black and white, I can assure you he is holding <laughs> it up. Um, of course, it's our, it's our second European Cup Winners' uh, final. Of course, we were there in 71 in Athens when we beat Real Madrid. So it was our chance for our second uh, second European trophy. And uh, how splendid is that? Uh, now, uh, JK, I know you were there. I was. Dane, I know you were there. And Mark, I know you were there. Yep. So I'm going to finish up with you, Mark, because I know you've written some hilarious notes on this. But Dane, your recollection of, of the game and the day. I... I remember the uh, got a flight over there to lovely Sweden to Stockholm. I remember Zola. Where did Zola get injured against? Because obviously there was a massive worry about him. Then there was rumours that he was actually going to make the bench. I can't remember who he got uh, injured against previously, but it was like one of those miraculous. Uh, I don't know if they obviously injected him up or certain things, but yeah, it was a, it was a bit of a whirlwind. Obviously, it was it was one, one of my first trips away on my own with, with you know with friends and it was a it was a, it was a more or less a day trip uh and i you know i was acting a man playing a man but it was uh i don't remember a lot of it but it was a yeah it was a it was a i remember danny granville really being impressed with danny granville funnily enough and again as i alluded to earlier uh, uh, di matteo who i you know who i was really you know, he's really turned into to, to one of my favourite players. But I, 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 I was surprised when Viali picked himself, although he had obviously played a lot in that campaign. So I suppose he was to stick into the tradition of of, of all the previous rounds. Uh, a bit harsh on Husey because Husey had been so good for us this season. But you know, Viali was a bigger European player, and he, you know. As I said earlier, with 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 Hullet, that arrogance and stubbornness, he obviously believed that he would, he it would benefit the team. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a bit of a blur, but I, yeah, it was a it's a great day. You know, it, it's something I I hold. I've got a program like Mark somewhere up in the loft, uh, probably next to his the Charity Shield program, which which Mark says <laughs> says says he features in. Yeah, it was it was a brilliant day, and it was it was one that stays with me forever. When Zola come on within seconds and scored that goal, it was a uh, Wow, it was it was it was make believe. But as I said, you know, when when earlier when 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 I was so surprised, Hullet, this was like a new it was a new venture for us. This this was a new a platform for us. Winning the FA Cup, we we won the Coca Cola Cup a 
you know, four to six weeks before, I, I think, and then to be in a Cup Winners' Cup final and, and something I was so confident about as well, whether it's arrogance or what, this, this was a new Chelsea that I never thought I'd see. And, you know, it, it, it was drunkenness or, or youthfulness, but, you know, there, there, were, there were tears uh, at the end when, 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 it, when it ended. Quality, yeah. JK, uh, were you, you weren't in Athens, were you? No. No. No, I was um, I was at school. That's I right. Remember. Yeah. Um, uh, no, it was wonderful, and there was a, such a brilliant bonhomie with all the Chelsea fans and a, an assembly together when we all arrived and we're all um, going down the same road because I think we knew you have the same tickets in the same part of the ground, and we were all walking down from the hotels and wherever we were staying and the the bars, and it was uh, it was great joy to be had because we presumed we were going to win it, and in fact it was a rather a tense affair, and uh, with us scuffing in front of goal rather a lot, and Wise should have scored on several occasions, and and um, uh, Stuttgart had a player called Bolokov, which I thought was very amusing. And, um, um, Wise, he had a wide volley, he should have scored, and he just passed the post. And if I remember rightly, Zola was really upset that he wasn't picked. And um, and there was a bit of a conflict with Viali and having picked himself. And um, Hughes came on as a substitute at one stage, didn't he? I was under the impression he didn't come on at all. I can't remember. Uh, I remember little things. No, he didn't. Like that, he didn't, great he didn't. I remember he was in the outfit at the end. He did a kind of John Terry. Didn't oh, he? did he? Okay. But he put the outfit on at the very end. Um, but um, yes, I remember that being an enormous shock as to why Hughes wasn't playing, considering mm. he contributed so much. But you, you know he can't play everybody, I suppose, Viali. But the fact that Zola didn't didn't um, didn't play either was uh, he was, was injured though, wasn't he? It was, well, he uh, had he been originally make but, it. but I think yeah. he was fit enough. He was very oh, was he? Okay. wound up when he scored because he did an enormous um, celebration, angry celebration mm. that was apparently very out of character because I think he wanted to be picked. But what do you do? You know, he played Flo, and Flo had a decent game, and Flo had had a great season. Um, but it was, yeah, it was a it, it was a very tense affair. And I thought, oh, goodness, what's going to happen here? Nil-nil. And when he came on, that wonderful wise pass to him immediately and he just volleyed it straight Second in. touch. His yeah, second yeah. touch in the second game. Touch. Absolutely mm. brilliant. And uh, and from then on, it, just, it wasn't even a case of holding on. They just weren't very good, Stuttgart. And, Although they, um, had some, they had some good players, apart from your mate Bolokov, who I remember as a Bulgarian international, largely because I remember the name Bolokov for some reason. Yeah, um, yeah. But they had Thomas Bertold. Yeah, uh, yeah, and they had uh, Freddie Bobic. Uh, you know, they had some good players. Managed so, by Joachim Lowe as well. Were they managed by Joachim? They were, weren't they? Yeah, they yeah. were. Good knowledge. Yeah, of course. Yeah, how intriguing. Yeah, but they, he didn't seem to get them into. They didn't. It wasn't a very good game, I and mean, they weren't very in charge of the game. I didn't feel that. No. They the score. No, it was just a question of us being profligate. It was one of those games, you know. And I said they kept Wisey should have a wonderful volley. Should have scored from. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, when the goal went, ball went in, I thought, well, I think we've won that. But um, it, then, it, the, then the joy of trying to get a plane back before the mists descended to get back in time to work. Um, but yeah, it was uh, a mu- there was much rejoicing going on. I remember um, attempting to get to sleep in a hotel, and um, uh, all the same people the following morning when I woke up, still in the bar. <laughs> uh, Quality <laughs> that. Yeah. That is that is proper Chelsea. I mean, that reminds me, that reminds me of Phil, my, the Chelsea fan cast mob out in Munich, minus dickhead here who had to get a flight in and out on the same day. They all stayed, but they 
they went back to wherever they went back to and they just drank all night they would yeah. they right, right through till breakfast and you know what then they traveled by minibus back to back to england to get the ferry and they stopped off somewhere in belgium they'd, they'd pre-booked these these hotels and things they really organized they none of them slept in the room because they just drank all night again this is the next day, you know. So that's that's the way to do it. Mark, I'm going to leave the final word to you because your stories are just so bloody good. I just wanted to give you give you free reign on the, on oh, what was an amazing day and night. Oh, it was an amazing day. I was too young for Athens, you know. So as I said, I never thought we'd win the FA Cup after we got knocked out by Sunderland in '92. Um, so actually, being in a European final twelve months later was just the stuff of dreams. Uh, and again, as I said, like, you know, getting paid to go and watch Chelsea play in a European Cup final. Absolutely ama- amazing, amazing experience. But again, for a lot, a lot of first time people that went to Porto in the summer, the first time they seen Chelsea win a European trophy. The first one is, you know, a bit like the Champions League. The first time we won it is always special. Winning the Cup when this Cup was just absolutely amazing. We were the favourites, but nonetheless, we still had to get over the line. And again, never mind the people at the end of the day keeping JK awake. They started at the beginning of the day. Um, I think they said it was probably one of the biggest exoduses from the UK you know, in many a year. We had 25,000 fans out there for the final. There was 10 flights that went from Stansted, eight flights that went from Gatwick. I was at Stansted and it was fog bound on the morning of the final. So there's a lot of stressed out Chelsea fans. And because they didn't know if they were going to get there because it was that bad. Um, so what do Chelsea fans do? They go to the bar. So there's a couple of hours delay. So by the time they started calling the flights, half our fans were pissed, you know, before they even got on the bloody plane. So never mind what state they're in once they got to Stockholm. But what I, what I found remarkable as well is like passport control was actually on the coach. I remember getting, you know, off the plane and then getting on a bus, and the bus took us straight into the town centre where all the bars were. And there was a police officer on our coach that did the passport control checks there and just made sure you had a match ticket. So the Swedish authorities were absolutely superb out in Stockholm. They really went out of their way to make the Chelsea fans feel feel welcome. Um, but then obviously the sort of serious part, the game itself, like, and obviously I, I was in the press box, and once more. I don't know how they allocate these things. I was sitting next to Neil Barnett again. <laughs> and, and I got an insight into club call. So I never knew, and I dulled into club call as a fan, how club call worked. And physically, what Neil did is like, it's a telephone call home. So it's a 90-minute telephone call, literally what club call was. So I was Neil's assistant for the night. Uh, and he had his bits of paper all mapped out and Bolikoff and Berthold and the manager was Joachim Blow. And occasionally, if he wasn't sure who the number five was, he'd just point and I'd sort of say it's that or I'd give him a bit of paper. So I, I was his assistant for, for the night. But there's an absolutely brilliant moment. Obviously, you know, when Zola comes on, 17 seconds and one touch later when he scores that goal, I've got a photo of the, go- of the goal at home. You know, just it's a brilliant photo where he shoots from behind the goal where he shoots past Wolfhart. But then Neil and I just jump all over each other and I get a snog. <laughs> I actually get a snog from Neil Barnett. You know, no tongues, I hasten to add. <laughs> but snog, snog nonetheless. And, and then adjourned back to sort of like the press box bar afterwards, the press conference, absolutely brilliant. Just, you know, just a buzz, you know, you know being in the press conference like with Viali when Chelsea have won a European Cup. Regrettably, you, know, you, you kick yourself afterwards. Why I didn't have a camera, why I didn't take any photos, just got caught up in the whole euphoria of it. 
But then like JK, I had to find my way back to Stockholm airport and it was chaos. You know, was it Elizabeth Duff travel or Gary Pynchon travel, whatever it was, and the Chelsea fans that went, the airport could not cope with that volume of fans all flying back. And so I was on a bus back to Stockholm airport and it was a bit similar, Moscow in 2008. And in the end, people, and I did the same, you know, just got off the got off the bus, yeah, persuaded the coach driver to let us off. And I just walked, you know, probably about half a mile into Stockholm airport, just went into sort of like the airport and I just got directed onto the first plane that was there. You know, I didn't show my passport. I didn't show my plane ticket. I just walked on the plane. The only thing I'd say, good job it went to Stansted. <laughs> I, I knew people who had flown out from Gatwick and flew back to Stansted or flew out from Stansted and flew to Gatwick, which is fine. But if you've left your car at Gatwick and they've flown you to Stansted, it's no fun. It was an amazing experience. Yeah, winning the Cup, Winners' Cup. Yeah, really enjoyed it immensely with, with really great memories. Yeah, so what, what, a, what a great season, you know, 97, 98 was. A few ups and downs, but we ended up with two trophies. And I, even the most optimistic person that I am, I never thought we'd end up with two trophies at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. it was a very special... Oh, sorry, 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 Chidge, one other thing as well, because, you know, Dane mentioned it as well. I thought the man of the match was Danny Granville. I thought he had a brilliant yeah, game. It's funny how that often often pans out, doesn't it, in, in, in finals. I mean, it was a very, very special night. It was just wonderful. I mean, I've, I've heard so many brilliant stories uh, about Stockholm uh, along the lines of Jonathan and, and, and Dane and, and Mark, and uh, it was a truly memorable night. I mean, one of the things I have heard subsequently is it was like it was the last hurrah for, uh, apparently, for a lot of the old mob, shall we say, who, who many there are quite a lot of Chelsea fans who kind of like called it a day after that. Is that is that apocryphal or is that quite true, Mark? No, there's a bit of that. Yeah, there's, there's people that stopped. I think some of them might have come back, you know, a few years later. But there's people that stopped. I know after Munich in 2012. Yeah, yeah I think you you've hit the peak as yeah. a sort of fan. There's nowhere else to go now, shall we say? Well, indeed. Well, kind um, of 98. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because tying all that up, I mean, how how little did they know? How wrong they probably were if they jacked it in after both Stockholm or Munich, considering what we won afterwards. But the interesting thing is that Viali said, uh, uh, you know, before the game, he said this game is the first step to Chelsea being one of the elite clubs in Europe. Um, I, I I looked at that when I saw that today, and I thought, well, that's true, isn't it? Or is it? Jonathan. You could say that Hoddle was the first step, couldn't you? You could actually go back as far as that um, in 94. Um, But winning a European trophy put us back on the map, didn't it, really? I suppose in terms of uh, Europe paying attention, taking paying attention to it, I think they paid attention when Hullet was appointed. Um, But yes, yes. And um, from that point of view, yes. Uh, And... um, uh, I think we could have accelerated it if we'd um, won even more. I think it took a little bit more time to get. I think actually going into the Champions League and getting into the quarterfinals, into the last eight, that that accelerated it as well. So yes, you could say that that set that up because it was very, it was a very similar side. Um, but it wasn't, uh, and it was, it wasn't with Viali at that stage. Was it? Was Viali there still for that season when we got to the quarterfinals? I think yeah, it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was, he was. It was the following season he got sacked. Yeah, wasn't it? yeah. So, um, <clears throat> yes, I think I think you're right. It um, it did a it, it it certainly made us 
have a relevance in Europe and uh, probably meant that, that they could have actually bought more players, um, more even exciting players, I think, if they'd had enough money. I just think it was a question then of Bates husbanding what money he had um, to try and uh, improve the side. But having said that, they had such an enormous squad at the time that, um, uh, and some of whom I thought were absolutely first class. It was... Uh, it was just a question of getting them to play well and not having Poyet playing all season. I think the following season he was he was available all the time and he was a great player. I think they had some great players and I think that was one of the reasons why um, they 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 did so well in Europe. Mm. And uh, but my my desire was for them to do better in the league. I felt the league was such a uh, a golden chalice which we were still recognised as a cup side. Well, and it, um, it took us a couple of seasons it before did. we can, uh, become a. It did. Uh, contenders for the league title yeah, it did indeed i mean you know to kind of just wrap it all up i mean i mean rick glanville in his in his wonderful historic you know history of chelsea team says it was a turbulently successful season which is hard to hard to disagree with because it was turbulent in its way but i think arguably one of the most memorable and i think you know again as rick says the the cup winners cup kind of defined the character of the season in a way but we finished fourth in the league that's our highest finish since 1970. So, you know, that's that's getting on for, for, what, 40 years? No, 30 years. So, you know, it ain't... Hang on, no, 20... Yeah, getting on for 30 years. So we were second and four points behind United when Hullet was sacked, as we know. But the league form, as JK was saying, was erratic. And I think the run, you know, a run in for the top position suffered with the focus on the League Cup and the Cup Winners' Cup. Um, I mean, I, I mentioned that we only had three draws all season in the league, so we either won or lost, which I think absolutely says it all. Um, the top goal scorer was Viali on 19. Uh, the top appearance maker was uh, Leboeuf with 47. Player of the year was Dennis Wise, interestingly. Um, and uh, young player of the year was some bloke called uh, John Terry. Who knew? Uh I think there were some unsung heroes in this season. And I, I would, abs- I mean, you know, De Hoy, actually, I think made a huge difference. Uh, Mark Hughes, I thought, was just outstanding again. And I think Hughesy uh, was probably second uh, in terms of top goal. Yeah, I mean, he had 13 goals. So he was second to uh, to Viali as a goal scorer. Um, Flo, again, was brilliant. De Matteo, Petrescu, Lusso. I mean, I think there were... A lot of really good performances, but, you know, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it, actually? I mean, who would your standout be for the season, Dane? Oh, well, I, I, as I've said quite a few times, I, I really, I you know, I really got fond of Di Matteo in, 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 in this season. I just, you know, I for some reason I was, you know, magnated onto him. I just I kept on watching him. I, lo- I loved his, you know, his, his old energy. He was a very box-to-box player. You know, very smart. Uh, obviously, wonderful shot, wonderful, yeah, shot. wonderful shot. You know, he could pass, he could score, he could do a lot of things. And I just, you know, I wonder for his his future years if that injury, could, you know, obviously, he could have gone on to to be even better for us. But like like you with Mark Hughes, you know, you've got to no matter what your feelings are for Manchester United or Alex Ferguson as a. Uh, uh, as as a person or, or whatever, you know, he's one of the greatest managers of our, of our generation, and he he has always said for one one transfer he regrets uh, getting rid of Old Trafford, not Yapstam, not Beckham, not Van Nistelrooy. It is Mark Hughes. I, I sold him far too early, and 
like we talked about with Yali, like like we're going to talk about with Hughes, if we went with a striker, then they've got to have more goals than 13 for Mark Hughes. But they, there was that rotation that, that Hullet liked. And, you know, well done for Hughes and Viali because they, they they still managed to score. But they, they never got that, you know, that succession of, of, of games. They did, probably didn't know whether they were coming or going. But yeah, in this season, Di Matteo was 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 my favourite player. I I, I, hate, I hate to correct myself, but I'm going to. But Mark Hughes was the third top goal scorer with 13 because actually it was Torre Andre Flo who oh. was the second. He got 15 from only 23 games, 23 appearances, 21 as a sub. So that's pretty phenomenal. And, and again, I, I I said it earlier how underrated he was. Mark, um, you know. What was going to ask you, and by all means, both Jonathan and Mark, tell me who you think your standout players were. But um, a thing that really intrigues me, and I think it's so relevant to last season for Chelsea, um, and we all think that that Chelsea became chaotic and mad and made really ruthless decisions before. uh, I've only done that since Roman Abramovich turned up. But in a way, this is the first example of Chelsea firing a manager, a popular manager, mid-season, and then going on to win two trophies as a result. I mean, people think this is an Abramovich phenomenon. Bullshit. We were doing it back then. Were. You were indeed, yeah. Um, I, I sort of said at the time it's like an appetite for self-destruction, you know, that Chelsea seemed to do that so many times down the years. Just when things were going really well, um, we go and do something like sack the manager. You can take it as far back as Eddie McCready. You know, it, it's it's been going on for years. Same with sort of John Neal being moved upstairs. And I thought, here we go again. When we well, got they did it with Doherty to an extent. Didn't yeah, they? Absolutely. You go back as far as Tommy Doherty as well. Yeah. yeah. So I thought when we got rid of Hullet, I thought, here we go again. Just when Chelsea begin to turn the corner once more, we press the self-destruction button. But, you know, whilst I thought it was wrong at the time to sack Hullet, I would say in hindsight... It turned out to be a very good decision and it almost sort of like canonised Viali as a saint that he probably already was with Chelsea fans. Yeah, he created that legend that was Viali. So my, my player of the season, probably I would say as brilliant as Wise was, I'd probably go for Viali and my unsung hero would probably be a tie break between Mark Hughes or Tori Andre Flood. Mm, I would agree with that. Um, Mark, um, I mean, and I'll ask this to all of you probably, but, you know, given what you've just said about you thought, oh my God, here we go again. And then, of course, you win those trophies. I mean, how far away did you think we... Because, I mean, Jonathan makes a very good point. You know, we've proved to be an excellent cup side, but, you know, a lot of us were, like, wanting to go that step further. How far away did you think we were from league success at the time? Uh, I didn't think we were that far. And I think Rick's point is quite good about that turbulent season. It was, it was a bit frustrating at times because we dropped so many silly games during the course of this season. Maybe... It was focusing on other things, shall we say. But some of our defeats were ridiculous. Yeah, if we'd won a few more points, we would have qualified for the Champions League. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we won we won twenty games. Only only Arsenal and United won more with twenty three. But we exactly. lost we lost fifteen games. Which just goes back to what I was saying. We either won or we lost. You know, yeah. you turn some of those fifteen into draws, and we're there or thereabouts. That's interesting, isn't it? Um, okay, boys. Uh, just favourite memories from the season and where does it rank in the season for you? And I'll ask JK first. Um, despite its um, uh, the lack of success in the league, which I think we're going to experience again next year, exactly the same thing, I was so hopeful we'd do well in the league. Um, obviously, the the uh, winning the Cup Winners' Cup was absolutely miraculous. I mean, not miraculous, it was just a brilliant experience. 
and so deserved because we played so well in Europe and uh, all the players have played out of their skin. And it was brilliant watching. Um, some of these players were superb and uh, they'll always stay etched into my memory. Um, Zola with uh, wonderful twisty runs this season. Uh, Viali, um, exceptional in the box and first time shots, exceptional player, speedy. One of the great crosses for Zola's goal in the uh, the tie against Vicenza. Hughes. What did I say? That's speedy. speedy. No, I didn't say speedy. Did I? No, no. Um, did I? Oh God. Um, Zola with one of the great. But sorry, Viali with one of the great crosses. Um, God, I've gone back twenty years now. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Viali, one of the great crosses for uh, for Zola to score in that game. Um, uh, I completely loved that moment. But that's because the game was so wonderful. Um, uh, such a shame Poet was injured. He was such a, a, an influence, scoring terrific goals. I think we've not discussed Petrescu who I thought was has been unsung in this situation, who was a wonderful player. Um, Leboeuf, unfortunately, was too... Um, uh, it was a little bit inconsistent for me, but when when he could play, when he played some of those superb balls, when he was on song, he was a great defender and a great... A great um, a huge long passer, accurate passer. Um, Soxy, similar, only played 34 times, but what a, what a great player. Um, uh, Hughes, as I've said, wonderful... Um, uh, and Flo had a had a great season, despite only playing. What is he? he had so many substitute um, appearances, but still scoring all those goals. Um, and Di Matteo had a great season. I mean, all those players to me are are great Chelsea players. Yeah. And and had uh, and as well as Wisey, who's, who hasn't really come up for much discussion. Yeah, even the player, player of the year. Of, yeah, yeah, player of the year, who did put in several performances. I was intrigued to see that he played him a lot on the wing. Actually, he played didn't play him in midfield hugely. Um, he uh, and yet he played forty times, but he didn't seem to have the influence he'd had in previous seasons. Um, um, I mean, he only got three goals, didn't he? I think yeah, yeah. that was a really really very low return from him, and yet perhaps he was contributing more to the structure of the side. Um, but uh, in terms of seasons, to me, this is this is actually one of the great seasons for me because it was um, obviously winning a trophy, winning two trophies. Uh, it, it was just a, um, it, it was great to go and watch them. They were a great side to watch, which I loved because you never knew what was going to happen as well. You said they might play against somebody and lose a game they were supposed to win, but then they'd come back and win something you know, three or four or five nil or six, two or something. I, I, for me, it was a, it was a wonderful season, despite them not achieving what I hoped they would. Mm, excellent. Dane, how about you, mate? Favourite memories and where does it rank? It ranks high because we, uh, you know, we succeeded the previous year. You know, this was all new for us as fans. Uh, the previous season winning the FA Cup and the next season we we win the League Cup and we win the uh, European Cup Winners' Cup. We were we were progressing and it was inspiring to watch. You know, Hullet as manager, Viali as manager. It was amazing. We were we were we was we was at dizzy heights that we was not expecting. In answering to your question to Mark, how far did you think we were away from winning the league? Well. Fast forward three months later when we make signings like Albert Ferrer, Kassaragi, Desai, Brian Laudrup. I thought we was going to win the league. I had, I was so uh, optimistic and, uh, you know, so enthusiastic for that season. But the, the, going back to the, to the season we're talking about, yeah, yeah, it was a great season because, you know, we're experiencing things we, we thought we'd never experience. Mark said earlier, I, I didn't think we'd see us win the FA Cup. So 
it, it was amazing times, some great atmosphere, some great games. As I said, Vicenza at home in the second leg in the rain, Liverpool in the league at home, beating them Arsenal in that second leg as well. I'll stick to my, I, I, I yeah, I just, I just saw Di Matteo in a different light. Uh, Viali was would always be uh, Hullet and Viali. You know, you're, you're so starstruck by because what they did previously at other clubs, uh, and we never thought we'd see that sort of, the, you know, that that world class player at our club. But it was, it was for some reason Di Matteo just just stood out for me. I just saw him in a different light. I just, I just tended to watch his game more. Mm, excellent. Last word to Mark. I think uh, your your favourite memories from the season, and, and where does it rank for you? I made a quick top five, and interestingly, the Wembley final is outside the top five. It's six. So it shows some of the amazing games that Stockholm has to be up there. You know, Stockholm, I didn't even say Stockholm. What an idiot. Yeah, Stockholm, <laughs> fantastic. Vicenza would be my number two. Just an amazing night, Vicenza was. Uh, I'd probably have a bit of a tie break between winning 6 1 at Spurs and the Arsenal um, game. And then probably bets away, and then probably yeah, outside. You know my list. I always go off piece. Uh, then obviously winning, winning against the Smog Monsters. Uh, it's up there with some of the best ever seasons. You know some of the football we played, and when we talk about the the following season, ninety eight nine, it continues into that season. Some of those players we mentioned, like Petrescu, Poye, Wise carries on. You know, there's some really, you know, flow carries on as well. There's some really great performance in Chelsea shirts that continue in a 98-99 season. But this is up there as one of the best ever seasons. Indeed, it it is, and I, I echo all of those all of those sentiments. I mean, I, I actually, I, I, I think next season I, I start really believing. I think you know, and as Dane said, with signing Desai and players like that, I start to think you know we, we're gonna we're gonna have a real go at the league. Uh, I started started to believe it, but I think actually winning that European trophy was was kind of the foundation of that. And uh, I mean, if, for me, it's 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 absolutely in my top five of all time favourite seasons. I love this team. I love those players. I love Gianluca Vialli, and I love the football they played, and I love winning those trophies. It was an absolutely superb season, and I loved every minute of it. So there you go. And I have loved every minute of doing this show. With you, reprobates, it's been long, but absolutely fantastic fun. It really, really has, and I hope, I hope uh, people who listen to this will enjoy it half as much as I have. And if they do, they're going to have a a great few hours listening to this. So, a massive thanks to the lovely Dane Whittle. Oh, thank you. Yeah, absolute pleasure. So nice reliving these memories. You know, with people of, you know, like you lot, whoever's guesting on on the time, we've all lived it together. So it's so nice going back and visiting it. It is indeed. It's been a pleasure having you on, Dane, as always. And as for you, Mr. Meehan, what would what would this show be without you? Apart from maybe half as long. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, what I'm joking. Say. <laughs> what? I was going to say shorter. <laughs> well, there you go. You beat me to it, kind of. No, you've been, as always, Mark, utterly tremendous. I mean, you, you, you do, a, do a lot of work on these, and I really appreciate it. Can I just finish on one story yeah, of I forgot to tell you tonight? I'm just kicking myself. There's another Tromso story um, <laughs> that I should, I should have mentioned. Apparently, this is a story um, that this guy flew out to Tromso, yeah. Uh, and I think he he was in mind to go out and buy tickets for the game and then come back to England and obviously flog them on the Chelsea fans. Uh, and when he arrives at Tromso Airport, he changes £2,000 up sterling to buy tickets 
but the the clerk in Tromso Airport puts a naught in the wrong place at the end. So instead of charging um, changing up two thousand pounds of sterling into whatever the Norwegian currency is, um, he gets twenty thousand pounds. He doesn't even go into Tromsø to get any tickets. He gets the next plane back to England, eighteen thousand pound richer. Whoa! <laughs> Brilliant, oh, mate. That is a that is a result. What a what a note to end it on. Apart from finally to say, well, Mark, thanks as ever. You've been brilliant. But uh, finally, to Mr. Kidd, what a, what a delightful evening talking about that season. It's been a real pleasure to share it with you, my friend. Thank you so much. I think Mark should have the last word as he did. I think that's it. I, I won't say anything. That was you Mark's can't follow word. that, can you? No, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm off. Even I can't follow that. I'm not even going to say goodbye. I'm just going to turn this off. No, I won't. <laughs> I, will, I will say goodbye. I mean, to all of the people out there who listened, uh, thank you very, very much for listening. And of course, uh, as we always say, keep it blue, keep it carefree, keep it Chelsea. Yeah!